Jake's super secret personal log, no little brothers allowed. We have shore leave on August 2nd and it's time for Operation Prank. Prank idea number one, tie Willie's shoelaces together when he's not looking. Nah, too dangerous, he could fall and hurt himself. Idea number two, loosen the top of the salt shaker so he gets a ton of salt on his breakfast. Nah, that's too risky. Too much salt in your diet is bad for you. Prank idea number three. Make Willie think he killed me. He'll be psychologically destroyed but physically safe. We have a winner. Nothing could possibly go wrong. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Reengage, the <laughs> weekly podcast where we watch and discuss episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Our cultural bridge officers dissect each episode as well as the pop culture and world events that took place when it first aired. We're a bunch of Gen X adults returning to the series we loved as kids to see how it holds up. So prank your brother almost to death and let's re-engage. Hello everyone and welcome once again to re-engage. I am Kate Yeager, your host today. Uh, let's go around the horn and see how everyone is. Greg Tito, hello, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm very excited uh, to chat about this episode as well as reconnect with my father and brother. <laughs> oh, everyone's coming together. Uh, Jimmy G, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great, Kate. Thank you. Uh, and Mike, I'm excited to learn that I was incorrect about the future in that uh, Amazon or Google would raise our children. Uh, and I'm happy to learn that actually the enterprise will raise our children <laughs> for us. Indeed, free babysitting. And Eric Curry, how are you, good sir? I am myself suddenly human. I'm not sure what it means, not even sure what the title means after that I've seen the episode, but I'm excited to move forward. <laughs> All right, well, we will move forward for sure. Uh, we have this wonderful episode of Brothers, which was uh, star date 44085.7. That's right. Uh, air date of October 8th, 1990. Uh, Greg, what was happening in the world when this episode was being uh, first broadcast? I totally forgot I had to do this. Uh, I <laughs> am excited to talk about some, some things. Uh, so the reunification of Germany is continuing during this period uh, on October 2nd. Something pretty interesting was that the Radio Berlin International uh, broadcast their final transmission, and they were a little bit miffed. Uh, this was from the um, East German side. It was like kind of an international broadcast. They were just annoyed that they had to be uh, subsumed into the West Germany Radio Berlin International. Uh, and uh, I just liked that they were like, oh, we were doing such a great job, and now we have to kind of combine forces with these folks. They were like, you know, the only party that seemed to not be too happy about reunification. But I liked that they their final broadcast in English was The End by The Doors. Oh. It's a bit on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on October 3rd, uh, the reunification was complete. The West German flag was raised above the Brandenburg Gate on the stroke of midnight. Uh, so that was a uh, red letter day. Uh, and it's Germany. A lot of people thought that a reunified Germany would be a dangerous thing. Uh, I'm so glad that all the danger that have happened uh, since this occurred has not come from Germany that we know of. <laughs> Uh, two days after this aired on October 10th, this was a very sad day for me uh, in my youth. The Oakland Athletics swept the Boston Red Sox four games to zero in the American League Championship Series. I remember being ex very excited that the Red Sox were able to get into the playoffs, and then they were resoundly beaten by the amazing pitching staff of the A's at this time. It sucked. Oh, I'm just imagining <laughs> poor little Greg. Yeah, it was like, oh, great, they're going to be in the playoffs. And then just, you know. I don't think they even led during the series at all. They were just really bad. <laughs> and that's what was happening in the world. All right. Thank you. Uh, in the pop culture world, number one on the music charts was Close to You by Maxi Priest. And if you're thinking, I don't know that song, uh, you do. It's the, I just want to be close to you and do all the things you want me to. I just want to be close to you and show you how way I feel. 
right? We kind of know that song. Uh, but I was like, Maxie yeah. Priest, who is that? What is happening? But apparently for one week in 1990, we all came together to agree that that was the best song there was. Uh, we I also got you, together. I do not recognize that song even a little bit. <laughs> I must have been drunk already. Uh, number one in the movies was Marked for Death with Steven Seagal. So this was a banner week uh, in pop culture in terms of things that have stood the test of time. <laughs> yeah, aged well, all of it. Uh, in the theater world, The Miser opened at the Circle on, in the Square for 93 performances. Uh, in relationship news, Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis filed for divorce. Remember oh. they were together? Oh, and everything was right with the world. Um, turned in, then he turned into a, like an insect and, and all went to shit. <laughs> and all went to hell. Uh, in births, one Mr. Gino Smith was born, uh, who is currently uh, doing just fine for the Seahawks most of the time. Uh, and Death's Leonard Bernstein died, um, which most people remember him just from It's the End of the World, and we know it. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, right? <laughs> we just have to, Leonard Bernstein! <laughs> Stein. Stein. Jimmy, what was happening behind the scenes? Rob Berman wrote this episode. is actually his first script ever for TNG. Uh, he was talked into it by uh, Mr pillar who wanted to bring lore back um so they brought rob bowman back he remember he was um maybe had the most directing credits up through season uh two he left uh because of creative differences with um roddenberry they brought him back for this episode specifically because he was the director who was on the introduction of lore uh at first so they brought him back to sort of round that out um one of the cool things about the filming of this uh bowman and spiner uh blocked out every single aspect of the lab scenes by themselves uh over a course of three days so that when they got into the shooting um it required as little um uh, it took up as l little of everyone else's time as possible because they already had the lighting and the camera angles all done and where they were going to move. Um, and those scenes were uh, a closed set. So only essential personnel were allowed uh, on the scenes and they did it in, in alternating days. Uh, one day it would be uh, um, Spiner doing data and lore and then on the next day it, he would do his soon scenes. Um, and if you uh, remember during the episode, uh, the Enterprise is diverted uh, to Starbase 416 uh, after cutting short their two-day liberty on August uh, 2nd. And in naval terms, a liberty is um, it's a day off where technically you're still at work. <laughs> so just to, to bring that back into focus, um, <laughs> they rushed to Earth after the Borg episode just to then speed away to August 9 for a two-day uh, off-the-clock-on-the-clock <laughs> weekend. <laughs> and that's the Nemesic Files. Excellent. Uh, Eric, what can you tell us about guest stars of note? Well, luckily, most of them are played by Brent Spiner. So, we can... <laughs> so we'll be speaking about him at length. But we do have the little Potts boys, uh, Jake Potts and Willie Potts, played by Corey Danziger, we'll start with, who is Jake, the, the big Potts. And uh, he is known uh, for an awful lot of things, honestly, throughout his career. I go right to the Burbs. Of course, both of these kids mostly oh. acted as kids. Uh, but you go right to the Burbs, which was just a little bit after this, as young Dave Peterson um, got to work uh, at length with both Bruce Dern and Corey Feldman, just like you dream. Uh, he, <laughs> right before that, had been one of the uh, kind of lost boys in the Beauty and the Beast series, if you remember that. Mm. And uh, uh, he did 10 episodes of that. Uh, his movie career start was in Memories of Me and uh, finished off with a TV movie of Married to the Mob right before this 
followed with a couple of here we go every once in a while's with who's the boss empty nest and the movie beethoven where he's the friend of the sun in that last credit on the imdb is the magic seven a tv movie from 2009 a short career but lots lots of well-known uh credits then we go to his little brother willie potts played by adam ryan who had a much more truncated career uh he was in just 11 things this was the first of any sort of uh large promise and it ended just four years later with a movie called In the Living Years. In between, there were things like Stepfather 3 and The Rescuers Down Under, Child's mm. Play 2. Like, it was a pretty successful career. Later in life, got three credits as a writer. But again, that didn't really catch on. Um, I believe he is now working as a um, clinical psychologist. Uh, and last, we have James Lashley as Kopf. And uh, this uh, was a little more interesting, a career. Lots and lots of credits all the way through Justified in 2011. Uh, wonderful genre stuff like Howard the Duck or White Oleander. Lots of stuff you enjoy. Um, relatively small uh, credits here and there throughout. But a hell of a career, all told. Uh, I mean, he did do Wild Wild West, but we won't hold that against him. Uh, things like Domestic Disturbance, Gilmore Girls, The West Wing, uh, lots of Canadian characters, <laughs> Carnival, uh, really a lot of stuff that I enjoyed. Charmed, he's got over 60 credits, Judging Amy, uh, television, movies, everything you'd want to see. Uh, a nice little brief moment in this, but, but fun as an ensign we hadn't met before. <laughs> and that's really it for the whole episode. Well, fantastic. Well, speaking of the episode, let's talk about the episode. Uh, we start with a medical emergency, a practical joke gone wrong. Uh, young Jake is led into the observation lounge where Riker is there to find out what happened. And we find out that he put some red dye in his coat and made his nine-year-old brother think he shot him to death. <laughs> and the kid ate something poisonous and would die were they not close to a station. What do we think of this um, opening little bit with the boy coming in and, and wondering uh, what is happening? Eric. I had two older brothers. I in fact still have two older brothers <laughs> and I could tell you stories and I will only tell you a couple. When I was two and a half, <laughs> they apparently convinced me that I could dive onto my bed like, uh, goofy in the various uh things where he would dive onto like a bouncy sort of bed and bounce up and down just <laughs> nice and un unharmed and so i did that and uh hit the footboard with my face oh. and had Oof. the reconstructive surgery on my nose oh. thank you brothers uh at another time um uh he was in uh, my my brother was in front of all of his friends and and mocking me for something i don't remember but i i picked up a plastic cup and threw it at him and hit him in the head and got him stitches uh <laughs> brothers in in my experience growing up were pretty ruthless to each other so this all tracks to me <laughs> yeah this 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 seems like a very brotherly thing to do um i think what shocked me was the next thing that happens where we find out that the parents are on sabbatical and are just gone they're just gone they've left <laughs> like i can understand leaving the kids there if they were on assignment but they're right. on sabbatical <laughs> jimmy what no, do you think of this <laughs> no not even assignment if they're gone for a weekend Maybe. And not in care of the Enterprise at large. With, you know, with the, some other unnamed character comes in and is like, oh, geez, I didn't know what they were doing. Fine. But you can just leave your kids on a ship, by the way, that only a few hours ago, relatively, was almost destroyed by the Borg. It almost destroyed all of the human race. Like, this is not a place you leave your children. This is not a place that children should be at all. Do you think 
Do you think the parents were there for the Borg, or do you think these kids had they to go were already the Borg gone. by themselves? <laughs> they were already gone. And they didn't come back to get them. It wasn't enough to come back from sabbatical. It's like, well, they lived. Now I can finish my, I can finish my I mean, vacation. What could we have done to help, really? I totally agree with Eric, though. The premise of the brothers doing stuff to each other is totally plausible. Uh, but this leaving them alone is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And we'll talk about later this storyline. It's a subplot to what we see later with the brothers. So we all this is a very common Star Trek thing. We have a, a smaller, less relevant subplot that's supposed to in some way mirror or deepen what we see in the A plot. And uh, I, I'm not quite sure that the trajectory of this plot uh, really added anything to what we saw uh, with with the A plot. Moore is just the, you know, the abusive older brother. That's it. He's just. That's uh, all. That's all we that's wanted it. to show you. It's, <laughs> no. It happens everywhere. Right. <laughs> the one thing that got me on this was that it seems so convoluted, this plot of like, well, they had the red dye. They did this. But that that's not even why he's in danger. He's in danger because he ate Paris, something that had parasites in it that only can be fixed at a star base. It just seemed like too far fetched of a thing. Just have him get hurt. By the thing that the older brother did. Yeah, was he suicidal? Was that it? He's like he ate those because he was so traumatized by what he uh, he thought he yeah, did. He's like, doesn't... I'm gonna eat these things and die. Nah, he's just stupid. Yeah, he's just stupid. <laughs> he is the dumber of the pots, brothers. So the practical yeah. joke wasn't even like he could have eaten that even if the practical joke never occurred. Was my Correct. was my like weird right. thing. Right. That's why I say it's emotional eating. He goes away and it's like oh, I feel so bad. <laughs> is that subplot C, <laughs> which we also didn't see develop? That uh, emotional eating is a thing, <laughs> even in the twenty fourth century. <laughs> Well, the next moment, uh, in comes Data to take young Jake away. And while they're on the turbo lift, Data's just like, hey, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. No talking. Gets really fucking weird. Uh, reprograms something and leaves. And Jake is, like, terrified in the corner of yeah. Because he thinks he's getting a silent treatment by Data. Like, that Data's <laughs> just not talking to him because of something he did. And he just, oh, I'm just going to go into the turbo lift more, I guess, by myself. Yeah, he doesn't even have anyone he can go talk to about it. His brother's dying and his parents are gone. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really great way to grow up. <laughs> I I loved what Brent Spider did there with the, you know his not being able to talk. And in my mind, the way it went down is Brent actually had an even better way of doing that. And the director's like, no, I need a spit take here. <laughs> I need <laughs> 1960s first choice kind of, and I absolutely loved it because it's so <laughs> sci-fi when the robot gets like water on top somehow and it like, <laughs> and it shocks out and like, yeah, and it can't do sentences now all of a sudden. I loved it. <laughs> All they could have done more is if the ship would have shook and then Brent would have like lost his footing. You know, that sort of, <laughs> oh, I'm losing my balance thing. Well, that takes us to the credits, wondering what is going on with Data. Uh, when we come back uh, onto the bridge uh, post-credits, Data is uh, sitting in his seat and suddenly changes the course. And Wesley is super upset about it, you guys. Uh, and suddenly they're going 9.3, which is, you know, verging on the, the edge of our limits, as we know. Those are There uh, is a sick kid, though, so at least they'd be, you know, it's okay for going 9.3. True, although we've changed our course, so that's, that's a bummer. Uh, <laughs> and then Data just ignores everyone and flat out turns off the light support, life support on the bridge. And starts shutting down deck one. Uh, and everyone has to everyone has to escape from the bridge very quickly. Uh, Eric, yes. Does shutting down the life support also like flood the bridge with some sort of bleach gas that will kill everyone, <laughs> or is it like in the next forty-five minutes to three hours the bridge is going to get uncomfortable, 
<laughs> oh, like, right, right. It, it's such an emergency. And I'm like, there's still oxygen in the bridge if you shut off new oxygen. Like, I don't understand everybody's freak out. I level. think it sucks the oxygen up when you close. <laughs> yeah, you right. turn off life support, which means murder. <laughs> I like it. I like it. One of the many design flaws in the Enterprise. <laughs> yes. Well, don't need oxygen anymore. Better get rid of it. <laughs> it's a blue alert, which I didn't realize what a blue alert was. Is that because of oxygen? Yeah, your oxygenated blood is deoxygenated, so it turns blue. It's blue, yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> you should just be a regular red alert. I don't know why it's got to be, uh, you know, blue all of a sudden. I guess it has to do with power failure or something. Well, especially as uh, Eric describes it, it's it's a murder. So that yeah. sounds it's like the a murder red alert. alert to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's red. I actually wondered if the life support actually went down or if he was just programming the alert, like whether he was just like, let me just convince the computer that something is wrong. And then uh, it was a diversion just to get them off the bridge so that he can do all of his machinations afterwards. In my little headcanon, it's data doing the uh, instructions that his creator is giving to him while trying to endanger the least amount of people on the on the enterprise mm. and lowering the stakes at the same time right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty head cannon well down in engineering the computer isn't responding they try to do a manual override override excuse me but everything is just shut down and sealed off uh and then data just starts telling the computer to shut shit down Right, like one at a time, things are just going poorly. Um, so Picard has the brilliant idea to do a saucer separation at nine point three warp. Well, isn't uh, isn't sickbay in the saucer section? Oh. Are you still worried about the baby boy? I'm still worried about the little pots kid. This doesn't seem like a good idea in any way. Like, right. Let's take apart the ship while we're going as fast as we possibly can. Seemed like a, a far-fetched plan to begin with, and I'm glad that Data shut it down. He shut down that yeah. space That's magic. absolutely right. He he mimics Picard's voice. This is, uh, I think, the only the second time we've heard Data uh, sort of imitate somebody perfectly um, and uh, gives the commands uh, only to the bridge, that from now on only the bridge can issue commands. Um, Riker and Worf decide that they're going to attack from underneath using Jeffrey's tubes. Uh, but a force field goes on. He's too smart. Jimmy. In the areas where there's no life support. Right. Right? Right. <laughs> well, they didn't yeah. ask Jeffrey for permission. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to go into his tubes, I'm going to ask him if he can put life support back in this thing. But then he put up a barrier. He put up a diaphragm. No going in my tubes. Oh, uh, right. Jeffrey is such a dick. <laughs> But I love uh, Riker's line. It almost feels like this should have been a wharf line, but it, it is given to Riker where he says, and he put up a force field. Just great. <laughs> very, very well said, Mr. Riker. Well, we find out uh, Crusher says that uh, young Willie, that's his name, right? Willie is uh, all right, but he's not going to stay that way. Bum, bum, bum. Those parasites are dangerously close to his heart. I, I made that up. <laughs> so in the uh, in sickbay, Crusher is talking to the, the younger kiddo about practical jokes, uh, trying to make him feel better, right? Practical jokes happen to everyone. It's fine. Um, what do we think of this intriguing force <laughs> field that she can go in and touch him with her bare hands? but then retract her bare hands and she's fine. There's something about that force field that, uh, yeah. that I don't know, anesthetizes her, not anesthetizes, but uh, sanitizes yeah. her as she comes out. Perfectly believable. Perfectly. It's trechnobabble. <laughs> if you're gonna have force fields, why not imagine them doing whatever it is you need them to do? Damn Skippy. It's like they didn't have the props budget to do one of those uh, glass walls with the gloves, the gloves already in them. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so they're like, ah, oh, fuck it. Uh, force field. <laughs> I'm like, I, I respect yeah. that. Because when I would play games with my brothers, I would also go, force field. And sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't. 
Uh, Troy brings young Jake to sick bay, but his brother won't hear of it. He won't look at him and he looks away. Oh, uh, on the bridge, Data realizes he can't, uh, direct transport to where he wants to go. Don't know why he just can't. No. So they shut it down. They got the, the contingent in engineering shut down. Ah, shut it down. Thank you. Thank you. So on the bridge, he realizes, Data realizes he can't direct transport, so he finds the shortest route to a transporter room. O'Brien gives the heads up, hey, Data's up to something. Uh, right. And then Data mimics Picard to uh, to lock in his power to walk freely around with a bunch of force fields blocking everyone from getting from him or to him. What do we think of this, like, sort of, Instead of a walk and talk, it's a walk and block uh, as he walks and, and <laughs> sort of blocks all of the entrances. It's kind of cool. It's super cool, yeah. And I and I love their their solution to the constant uh, visual of the force field, where you see it for a moment as it pops up, and then you see it if someone touches it. Like it's it's a neat thing. I'm I'm not sure how other people had done force fields before. But this is what I think of them now. I think of them, you can see them when they're established or when they go away or when someone touches them and the rest of the time they're mostly invisible. And I, I really love the way they do it. Yeah. Agree, and it's, absolutely. And he's the only one, Data's the only one smart enough to program the sequence where humans are not fast enough to jump in, but he can go like follow the sequence of where he needs to go to get to the transport. It seems really cool. It's almost like a video game, like, right? Like you're like, oh, I'm trying to get from force field to force field. Um, but I also really love that Data goes on that long string of, of numbers and code words that I'm like, it just keeps going. It's like it's like a minute and a half, two minutes long, and you're like, they're never going to be able to break this code. <laughs> well, and this would have been right at the time that that the the code breaking kind of mechanism that is, you know, in infinitely long prime numbers would have been uh, started to be used in email communications and things like that. So like it, it was relatively cutting edge for the time too. Just you find a prime number that's as long as your arm <laughs> and people can't, they have to just try every number until they get to it. Yeah. You know, uh, there's no way to, to speed up that process. So it's a really neat way to do it. And in the nerdery, uh, it's, it's 36 to the 52nd power combinations Oof. would be necessary in order to break it. Equivalent to a 269-bit key. I don't know what any of this means, but basically they're saying like it's it's impossible even now to break that code uh, because of its complexity. Right. You'd need something like 200,000 computers working in tandem for a year. Yeah. Yeah. Something ridiculous. I think you forgot about the monkeys. 2,000 monkeys working on 2,000 computers. <laughs> right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly there's Hamlet. Uh, when Data gets to uh, the transporter room, uh, Riker's there and with Worf. Ha! Surprise! We are in the we are in the bay, but he just very quickly uh, neutralizes that uh, with another force field. Force field. Um, and then he just easily <laughs> just fixes the site to site transporter and beams down to the planet. So all of that uh, plotting. <laughs> was for not and Riker's just like wait does that mean he'll be able to oh he just did <laughs> <laughs> he transported dang it always so a step behind that Riker just great <laughs> it was great uh, Data gets to the planet and surprise it's an old man who looks and sounds like Data and he says you're right on time commercial break so good so good i yeah. love a good commercial well break. imagine imagine if he had showed up five seconds later in the middle of the commercial like we wouldn't have figured it all out <laughs> that's true it's true it was good timing i love that old man soon makes little old man sounds he's just like nah, nah, I'm, doing, I'm doing some work over here no one's half penguin make... half man <laughs> <laughs> they should have got danny devito <laughs> Uh, when we come back from commercial, which we have run to go to the bathroom because there's no way to pause TV in 1990, uh, we've run back <laughs> from the kitchen and the bathroom, and uh, we find the old man um, working some stuff out on Data, uh, who comes back to his senses. His communicator doesn't work. Um, the old man says, I've always loved that face, which is uh, just a beautiful line. Uh, Do I look somewhat familiar to you? Uh, and then that's uh, when Data realizes that he 
bears an awful resemblance to Dr. Noonan Soon. But he was killed. Hmm. And mm. Dr. Soon says, you found your long lost father and he's alive. So we have this lovely reveal that it's Dr. Noonan Soon. Uh, and uh, what do we think of this first little... Uh, he does... I like the, the way he... Um, fixes data by making him open his mouth <laughs> and then right. he like touches his back molar i don't know it's like a reset button <laughs> I, there's some sort of some sort of magic there uh but what do we right. think it of... feels like it feels like a backdoor like a thing like that only he yeah knew, uh for the how they like, similar to the to the uh you know the lever that's on, the, on their back to reset them it's like oh here's the thing that that you know putting a paper clip into anything right. in order to reset it. <laughs> it's super cool. But I, I like this reintroduction of uh, Noonien Soong. Uh, and it, I, I was distracted that this early part being like, is that Spiner? Is that him with the amount of makeup on him? Um, they do a really good job. I love all the work uh, that you were describing, Jimmy, about how they uh, shot this because it does feel um, hard to do. It feels like it's a real difficult task, and they they pulled it off uh, with both the camera work and the ability for. Uh, I guess this is one of the first times we get to see Spiner, other than the previous lore episode of how he can just embody these different characters so much, so that we're not even really thinking about uh, uh, as much about his performance as it is about these characters coming to life. I agree. That's it's just such a pleasure. You know, he's he's so fun and he clearly has so much fun in his play acting and i'm just drawn in every time a an episode is spiner centric i'm i'm just for it yeah and then when you see soon it's like seeing um gainen because mm. there's always a hope of oh i might learn something more mm. about the character um so it, seeing him it was exciting because like oh now i get a little bit more backstory on data I like too that he sh throws shade at previous uh, descriptions of the giant snowflake as the crystalline entity. He's just kind of like, oh, that seems so stupid. Well, I didn't think I'd have to run away from a giant snowflake. That's funny. That's funny. And I think it's, it's actually a little nod to us uh, uh, as the audience being like, okay, yeah, no, those, those effects were bad. <laughs> well, back on the Enterprise, Jordy figures out that he can maybe use the sick bay quarantine force field for something. So we go to, why not? Uh, so we go to uh, sick bay and um, Beverly is talking to our young sick child and he says he's dizzy when she, he stands up. So she gives him the best medical advice ever, which is, so don't stand up. Wow. <laughs> she even tells the old joke about it, uh, which is an intriguing, um, she doesn't seem particularly worried about this new um uh, ailment that he has or this new symptom that he has uh just don't stand up kid it'll be fine well inside she's already said goodbye so she's, <laughs> she doesn't have to particularly worry about it it's it's protecting herself from the emotions that she might one day feel there wow. it is bedside uh, manner wow. be damned um but he still won't talk to his brother so sad um, the force field switcheroo works. They're able to get back on the bridge. Don't know how the switcheroo worked, but it worked. Um, but then we find out that he put that damn lock on the passwords. Oh, but they can, uh, do some readings of the planet and they find that there's only one life form on the planet and that there is another ship arriving with no life signs. Uh, back on the planet, uh, Dr. Soon is having Data try uh, a myriad of embarrassing things like patting his head and rubbing his tubby and whistling. Uh, you know, those old standard things that you do with robots to make sure that they're okay. Uh, androids, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> Depends on how they identify. Yes, true. Dr. Soon wants to know why Data uh, chose Starfleet. Uh, Data says it was Starfleet officers that rescued me, but uh, Dr. Soon wishes that Data had followed in his footsteps. When Data inquires, why did you create me? Uh, he has the highfalutin answer. Why does a painter paint? Why does a boxer box? Oh my gosh. Money. Right. <laughs> in other words, I don't know. <laughs> the answer is because I could. 
he talks about Michelangelo, the sculptor, already being in uh, the granite. Um, and he compares his need to Michelangelo's need. Um, but he uh, doesn't really want to listen to Data very much. Um, you know, Data's trying to explain why he was, why he did what he did. And he's much more into old man pontificating. I, it does seem a roundabout way to get to it, but I do like how this concludes where he's like, look, I answered your question because, you know, uh, uh, maybe that's why people, you know, and Data's pontificating about humans being like, mm -hmm. hmm, maybe that's why humans want to procreate. And then it's like, yeah, well, that's why I made you, asshole. Like, <laughs> so, that feel, so that I can feel immortal. It's, it's, it's a nice little writerly conclusion to this to this scene. Which then it all gets screwed up when. Ding dong, it's lore. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Is that my pizza? Oh no, it's oh, your no. evil brother. Yeah. I want to take a second too. Like, the name lore is so good. Yeah. Because it, it, it implies mystery, it implies an unknown knowledge, it implies some some incomplete knowledge even uh and and it's it's kind of dangerous like there are so many different words you could have chosen that are extant in the english language and you chose lore and it's super neat every time i hear it every time i think about that name it sticks with me and i'm just so happy uh that that's where it came down when the character was created well, especially if you think about it as the antithesis of data, right? Like, yeah. what is right, data? Right, that, totally. is, that is that. What is lore? Ah, oh, that's a different question. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Uh, speaking of lore, data begs Dr. Soon not to reactivate him. Um, and the doctor is sure that lore will listen to him. Um, and then he puts the paperclip in the third molar um, from the right. <laughs> And uh, Lore thinks they captured him to disassemble him. Um, but it turns out that Data and Lore both had a, a homing beacon, which brought them to Dr. Soon. Uh, uh, Dr. Soon was not expecting Lore, um, thinking that he was still disassembled, uh, which Lore is super pissy about. Uh, he's super mad about being disassembled for some reason. Uh, and he's like, you don't know me, old man. I'm, I'm out of here. This town can't hold me. And he's just getting ready to leave. Well, Johnny Five taught us that that is the scariest <laughs> word for robots. No disassemble. <laughs> And just as, uh, just as Laura is getting ready to leave, Dr. Soon yells out that he's dying. Uh, and Laura doesn't take this. He, he repeats over and over again, you're not that old. You look fine. You, lo you don't look sick. Everything's fine. Like he has a very sort of human reaction with his emotions yeah. to, to this information. Uh, what do we think of this uh, revelation and Laura's subsequent sort of freak out about it? I think it's it's great because it's right in line with his arrogance and belligerence in any other respect. Like it, it doesn't change. He, re, he you can see his concern and his love, but it's still tainted with all the stuff that makes him bad, which mm. is very nice continuity with the character. So it, it it tracked really well. It was it was acted well and written well. I think they like really had a nice bead on who lore is and how to write that the language of lore yeah. uh so it was it was fun to watch him be petulant and, and slam stuff around it's like that seems like how he would react like yeah. it was it was nice yeah. and a nice way to see a bad guy like he wasn't like twirling his mustachios <laughs> or whatever it was uh you know petulant love and it was fun to see a bad guy that way oh, i was just gonna say that's my new band name we are petulant love. <laughs> petulant love. Yeah, it would be one of those bands that has a a song named after itself, like Bad Company. <laughs> like <laughs> Petulant Love definitely would have that song. I love it. It's the older brother syndrome too. Of like, Lore is uh, mad that Data 
has the same love, if not more love, like than 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 he does. Like the whole whole point of his petulance here is the fact that like, oh, you thought he was better. Like you know, you had to take me apart. Um, but you know, why you why you love him? You know what? And then as soon as it's like, but now he won't ever get the chance to redeem himself to his father. Mm-hmm. Then he's like, oh shit, you can't die. Wait, because that's that that means I will never be able to prove myself to you. And you can't do that, you fucking old person, right? Like it's this weird. Very, you're right. Very human-like reaction to this that felt very family-like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I get again. I didn't, I don't think I even really put together how much they were trying to contrast the hu- the human uh, you know, brothers on the Enterprise with this. Um, but you can see, I, I can see those parallels so much now, yeah. and I and I wish they they'd kind of made these bridges more more important. Mm. Uh, back on the ship, we have auxiliary power, but they still can't break that damn code. Uh, and Beverly says that Willie has 24 to 36 hours left. Uh-oh. Womp womp. Then Riker has the idea that maybe they can trick the transporter into thinking that Data is still on the ship because they're having trouble getting the controls. But before we can find out about that, we go back down to the planet. And Lore is continuing to be pissed that he got disassembled. I mean, you disassemble someone once and they just can't get past it. <laughs> like, come on. Maybe he's still missing some parts. <laughs> like, maybe there's a box somewhere with a couple of screws and a toe. <laughs> and he's just, like, really mad he can't find it. I love... Uh, Spiner does this great thing as Lore, as he's walking around being all pissed, that he just walks around and he just messes with shit. Right? Yeah. He just touches everything and has to have his, you know green cold hands on a little bit of everything as he's walking around um it's a very cousin eddie kind of energy yes (laughs) (laughs) but during this uh data learns that he wasn't less perfect that he wasn't the second banana that he was not less perfect than lore and uh lore uh wants to know why dr soon didn't try to fix them um or fix him. Uh, Dr. Stoon says, sit down. And Laura sits down in a cool guy huff. He's like, Ugh, fine, I'll sit down. Ugh, backwards chair. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, dad. Uh, and Dr. Stoon says that if he had known Laura was assembled, he would have called for him sooner. Um, and he says, uh, this is where we find out that the reason that Dr. Stoon has called Data, besides that he is dying, is that he has a chip which will give him simple emotions. And then Laura gets real weird. I'm so happy for you, man. (laughs) Yeah, you'll be more like me. It'll be great. Yeah. And for some reason, Data doesn't trust Laura here. Uh, (laughs) When he suddenly gets really sickly sweet. Um, Dr. Soon says he's tired, must go rest before the procedure. And Laura gives an evil grin to Data. Uh, what do we think of all of these revelations? You know, that Data was not less than, that uh, that Dr. Soon would have called for Lore sooner had he known that there's an emotion chip. What are all these revelations like to you? Well, the emotion chip is nice because that's something that is so common throughout kind of all sci-fi is do you take the cheat code for the next level that you're looking for if it's offered to you? And what are the consequences that you're giving up by not achieving it yourself or by not, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, so it's nice that suddenly there is this MacGuffin that, that has a function that we don't know how it works. We don't know why it works, but we know what its function is and we know they both want it and we know there's one. Like all of that is explained to us by ourselves. Uh, in the interaction between Lore's grin and Data's distrust. Mm. And it's so cool. Yeah. I have a strong reaction to this because my um, my older siblings are uh, seven, eight, and nine years older than me. They hey, it's all, the same. Yeah. yeah. They came very fast and quick. And my mom was always uh, making me aware as the, the youngest that which I and I don't she never, never used these words, but now I realize she was in the very terrible throes of post postpartum depression mm-hmm. for a long time because she had three kids right in a row and wasn't able to deal with it. 
and she had always said like I screwed up with them I'm not gonna screw up with you you know spoiler alert she did also with you, <laughs> but in different ways um, but that was the through line was like I didn't know how to raise kids when I first had them and I I, I messed up I'm gonna get it right the second time and I always brought that energy to this relationship with data lore and, and and dr soon is that like he created him at first he gave him emotions he gave lore as you know as the best emotions that he could at the time that's why he also malfunctioned that's why he also was uh unable to adjust because uh it was it was not perfected it wasn't you know and then here with the second offspring soon has got the ability to to perfect it finally what I love about this, though, is that, like, that's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. Like, you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to, you know, several years after this data has learned to cope without emotion, without having to be reacted to in, in the exact same way that humans do, you can't just all of a sudden bestow a good upbringing to someone after they've been <laughs> in, in the world so, so many uh, years. So... I, 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 there's, there's so much uh, um, personal story that's wrapped up in this. And I just love the fact that, uh, it's something that data wants and it's something that is a, is a, is a MacGuffin throughout, you know, the rest of the kind of the franchise in the series, uh, to make it happen. But I always was like, I don't know if this is the right move. I don't think it is the right move to just get emotions when you've figured out how to, 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 to be successful in the world without them. And what Laura really wants is love. He doesn't really want this chip. He wants uh his father to you know choose to to work with him nice i don't know you're giving lord too much credit <laughs> <laughs> fuck him just great <laughs> uh back on the ship picard and Riker do a walk and talk uh figuring that perhaps they will be able to beam down because the computer will think that they are data uh, that's just a quick little aside where we find out that hope is on its way. Uh, back on the planet, Dr. Soon gives Data the chip. Or did he? I mean, it's pretty apparent very quickly that it's lore. Like, I don't know if Dr. Soon is just an old man, so he just doesn't quite realize, you know, the difference between his two sons. Uh, but... Uh, you know, I figured out it was lore pretty quickly. That's just me tooting my own horn that I'm pretty damn clever. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah, you are. You're just as smart as lore is. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And then lore gets uh, on a track with Dr. Soon where he talks about what a failure he was. He calls him often wrong soon, which I guess was his nickname uh, <laughs> in high school. Uh, it's a great, great rhyme too. Like, good job, everybody. <laughs> right? Which Lori even says, right? Doesn't he say like the colonists were shitty at, at nicknames? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he says, "You owe me, old man." Uh, and he attacks Doctor Soon, and then opens his nail, which is so gross, uh, and then disappears. So this is where I got confused. I I couldn't decide if he. Uh, if this was like a, a shield, like a, you know, that suddenly he can become invisible or if he uh, transports himself away with that nail. Uh, so during the rest of the scenes, I kept wondering if he was just in the corner, like <laughs> invisible. <laughs> I figured he watching. went back to his ship. I think you're yeah. probably right, but I love the idea of him being But I love the, the invisibility cloak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is very lore-like, where he wants to see the, you know, his his machinations and villainous uh, actions play out. Yeah, all right, that's headcanon for me. <laughs> good, Boom. good, good. Uh, Riker and Jordy and Worf show up uh, on the planet because apparently they trip. They did were able to trick the transporter. Uh, they find Doctor Soon and Data is dressed in Lore's clothes. Dr. Soon says, you're so alike, I couldn't tell you apart. Which is like, thanks, Dad. <laughs> I couldn't tell you apart from the psychopath. <laughs> uh, Riker's like, damn it, Data, what is going on? And Dr. Soon tells Data how to clear his memory block, because apparently he also had a memory block with all of this. So he didn't even know the damage that he caused on the Enterprise. 
um, that's a rush of memories that you don't want to have come back quickly. Right. I did what? <laughs> There's a kid who's dying. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped it. What? <laughs> uh, so they're trying to get Dr. Soon to go back to the ship, but he is a stubborn old man and wants to die where he lies. Uh, Data says, let me say goodbye alone. Uh, Riker's like, TikTok, there's a dying kid up there. Just, you know, remember. <laughs> Data says uh, eventually that it's all right for you to die because I will still be alive, which kind of goes back to their earlier conversation, obviously, of why did you create me? Um, well, to be immortal. Um, and then he says, I can't grieve for you. And he says, you will in your own way. And that is mm. uh, a wrap on Dr. Soon's life. Uh, so what do, we, <laughs> what do we think of that scene where in comes the Calvary uh, and we sort of have this goodbye scene between Data and Dr. Soon? I mean, I would like to have it on record that if I am so fucked up at the end of my life that I'm like, just leave me here that it's the Catholicism and like, I'm trying to guilt trip and some shit, whatever, take me away and fix me. Like, this is so stupid. It is take me away dumb. and fix me. And I'll make you another little brother out of the spare parts in the other room. Like <laughs> this is dumb. Continue everyone. Doesn't the enterprise have like state of the art, uh, medical facilities. It's situational, right? It's situational. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. I think this is weird that they were just like, oh, you're going to die. The most important cyberneticist of this century. We're just, okay, cool. You're, you're good. Uh, and yeah, we'll just leave all this here. You're, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what good could it possibly serve other people? Yeah. Or androids. It goes against the whole mission of everything. Uh, I, it seems like they had to wrap it up somehow, uh, <laughs> writer-wise. So. <laughs> Yeah, and seems I, like I maybe Brent I, Spiner was like, I will never put this old man makeup on again. So <laughs> don't ask me. Least he could do is get rid of the um, life support in the room and then give everybody a reason to get the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Make it a ticking clock or something like this is all going to blow up. <laughs> yeah. The reactor is gone. You know, Lord screwed it up. You know, like, like make it so like yeah. there was no other choice. They had to just run away because it doesn't make sense now. <laughs> yeah, or do more than just throw him across the room. <laughs> like, yeah, give him a really grave-looking injury, yeah, something not just uh, you, you flew over the countertop, and now there's no way to save you in the 24th century. <laughs> Once you get old enough, man, you go over a countertop; it's a death sentence. <laughs> it's it. Yeah. I'm not getting a new hip. No way, I'm getting a third hip. <laughs> <laughs> third hip. Where would they put a third hit? Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Thank you, everybody. Space magic. <laughs> uh, back on the ship, young Willie is out of the woods, uh, still in quarantine, oh, but the brothers are playing with each other. And I think it's Crusher uh, who says to, to Data, they're brothers, Data. Brothers forgive. And he does that like does the computer about something. Calculating, calculating. <laughs> Maybe he's buffering. Yeah. But how does how does Beverly Crusher know that? Like she doesn't have brothers. She doesn't have like we, that we you know, like, know about. Wesley doesn't have a brother. Like there's no that we know about. <laughs> oh, okay, that's true. All right. It seems odd that she's the one who gives that that little nugget of. Uh, of of information there to data, right? Well, it ain't it ain't gonna be Picard. He's still fucked up about his brother. <laughs> <laughs> See, that would have been better actually. If you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's a it. very family. I mean, we'll could keep talking about this next week, but it's a very family centric early season for Star Trek. Totally. Yes. Picard's just like, just punch your brother in the mud, and everything will be better. <laughs> <laughs> uh. My question is. The parents on sabbatical, do they have any? Like, <laughs> they're making another brother. That's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like we got, 
we just died almost died by the borg like let, let's have a little honeymoon please let's let's make this happen it, it's a working vacation a sabbatical <laughs> like, why are your kids with you what are you how can it be more dangerous than anything that happens on the enterprise but there seems to be no attempt to uh call them back to the ship or meet them somewhere or inform them in any way shape or form i wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't even make it into the kids files for fear of lawsuit (laughs) (laughs) they were fine 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 eric is it true do brothers forgive i don't know (laughs) brothers love brothers love (laughs) there it is i love my brothers very very much and and we don't talk much (laughs) and uh we don't see each other much but uh, we all like the same things, and we talk about those things when we can. <laughs> what do we think of uh, this episode as a whole, all, all said and done? Uh, Greg? I am going to give this... I think I'm going to give it six uh, pack led costumes that Laura is wearing. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good episode. I like the more information that we get about uh, Soong and Lore and and how this family progressed uh, and and were created. I think it's nice for that. I think it's a little clunky in the writing. Um, I don't really get the stakes of the two little kids and 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 what they're going through. It doesn't really match up too well with what's going on with Data and Lore uh, beyond the very ham-fisted like brothers, right? Um, I don't love the. Uh, odd bits that this it tries to set up this whole thing that data is under duress for like the half of this episode and then we find out that this is actually all about soon i think that was a little bit kind of clunkily handled i wish it was more uh you know just constructed a little bit differently this episode but i love the performances by brett spiner uh throughout i uh, really enjoy um, uh, learning more about the, uh, the the story of this family and how it might progress. Um, but beyond that, I think uh, it's you know it's a pretty it's a pretty middling episode. Excellent, Jimmy. Uh, I agree with uh, what Greg just said. Um, I'm going to give it uh, six items that we didn't talk about in this episode but i'm curious why they were even showed up and uh, it showed up in it is a uh, tyrannosaurus rex skulls <laughs> give it six of those because there's no reason why uh soon should have this on his faraway planet but then again why shouldn't he uh the big miss here for me was the subplot with the brothers um like greg said uh they resolve their relationship off screen which is a huge miss when you're trying to tie in that subplot with what happens with Data and Lore. We needed to see how those two human brothers came and made up. We needed to see Data witnessing that. Then we could have taken the terrible line away from Dr. Crutcher saying brothers forgive because Data would have witnessed brothers mm. forgiving. And that could have impacted him in a way without you know beating us over the head with the line. Um, but for whatever reason, they decided not to show or resolve the uh, subplot on screen and just give it a toss off um, uh, uh, the way they did. So that that really knocked a lot of it off. Otherwise, you know, seeing Brent Spiner get to chew on scenery or knock it around is always, <laughs> always a good thing. But uh, six Tyrannosaurus Rex skulls for me. <laughs> Eric. I'm going to give it eight lore machinations. Because I really enjoy the uh, the word, and I always forget to use it myself, uh, so I was <laughs> pleased that Greg brought it up. Um, I I really liked the episode. I refuse to admit that there were children in it, so I, <laughs> I I I am only grading the the good parts of the episode, and I give those parts an eight. Uh, the only big miss, as I see it, uh, is that rather than having thinning hair, you had the chance to give Dr. Noonien Sung the world's greatest 24th century toupee, and you did not do it. It could have been magnificent in any color you chose. He could have been on the forward thrust of men's hair fashion, and instead you just gave him this wispy bullshit. Um... So it's 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 really a, a disagreement that takes it from a nine down to a seven for me because uh, I did eight. say eight, but now I'm going back down to seven. <laughs> seven machinations uh, by lore. All right, thank you, everyone. 
Uh, and I'm going to give it seven <laughs> red dye packs um, that make your brother think you're dead. Uh, and it's <laughs> mostly what, what has already been said. Um, I think that the B plot is uh, lacking in a lot of ways um, and doesn't necessarily um, carry the same uh, weight as they I think they thought that it would in terms of the parallel stories um, because they're not they're a little more perpendicular than parallel. Um, and, uh, but I have to give it up for a uh, Spiner in this episode, um, playing three really distinct characters. And, um, I really appreciated lore in this episode in terms of just talking about getting to chew the scenery. Um, we find out so much more about him. And, uh, again, I'm drawn back to that when he first finds out that, uh, Dr. Soon is dying, that very, uh, visceral response that he has with the sort of like no but it's impossible but you look you're not that old uh just is a really interesting part of his personality um and uh speaks to sort of his inner life in a way that um we didn't get to experience in the previous episode so yeah i think that uh it de- deserves a seven um and having said that that is the end of this episode um it's also the end of this pair of pants because they are wet yeah best to just throw those pants away at this oh yeah and the chair thank you so much for riding along with us on this episode of re-engage next week we continue our mission with the next episode of the fourth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Reengage on Twitter at ReengageTNG to get updates when episodes are published and some other stuff. You can also follow our various cultural bridge crew on social media. Kate Yeager is at Yeagerlicious. Eric Grattan is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Reengage is edited by Greg Tito and Jimmy G, and sometimes Kate Yeager. Logo artwork by MojoJojo97 on Twitter. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thank you so much for listening. Stand by now for the traveler to re-engage.